The reading is from the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 14 to 21. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything? or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God, and I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. This morning, uh, Neil Letizia spoke to us very helpfully, very clearly, very powerfully from the story of Moses asking the question, what is in your hand? And encouraging us to respond to the particular call of God that we have today, to follow him and to serve him, and to be equipped uh, with that call, to be competent in what we are doing and to have those who journey with us as companions along the way. And this evening, we come to the place where our nourishment is found, where we are strengthened for the journey, where we are enabled to move forward confidently in whatever God is calling us to do each day. But my question for tonight is whether we are eating from the right table the invitation and the challenge of communion. The passage that we most often read for communion services is from the next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, from verses 23 onwards, are what are often called the words of institution, which we read for communion. But uh, in this previous chapter, chapter 10, there's this fascinating little uh, passage about communion again. Is not the camp of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the body of Christ? Is not the bed that we break a participation in the body of Christ? We, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. And a little bit further on, you cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. So I want to unpack that a little bit this evening before we come to sharing communion. Before I say anything else, I'd like you to talk to each other for a moment And I'd like this to be just a little bit more than those of you who uh, know each other extremely well. Uh, So perhaps bring three or four people together or talk uh, in in front or behind in the rows. Uh, But I'd just like you to recall an occasion when you had a meal uh, that was particularly memorable. Perhaps in the last few months, I'm sure that somewhere at some time in the last few months, you've had a meal that you can remember. 
and just tell someone else about it. So just for a moment, turn to those who are next to you, in front of you, behind you, who you may not uh, all spend all your time with, and uh, what are your stories of meals? Talk to them. I struggled a bit to decide which one I was going to tell you about, uh, but uh, decided to go for Easter Sunday in Kampala. Uh, many of you know that we were there primarily visiting our daughter Sarah, who is teaching in Kampala at the moment. Uh, but also we have friends James and Claire, who were from our previous church in Enfield, who are also in Kampala. We actually stayed with them for quite a lot of the time we were there. Claire teaches in the same school where Sarah is working. And uh, James and Claire put on a bit of a party on Easter Sunday. We were all at church in the morning, and then we went back to their house. Uh, there was James and Claire and their three children. There was Francis, myself, and Sarah. There was uh, another family uh, who come from the States who are also involved in Acacia School. So there was, uh, again, a they were a family of five. There was... Uh, someone who works with James as a veterinary assistant. There were one or two other people there. So it was quite a gathering and lose count, probably about 20 people. And uh, James and Claire have someone who helps in the home, which is quite common in the culture. Uh, so um, they were able to do, do some preparation while we were at church and we finished off when we got home. And it was just a fine feast. We had lamb and chicken and roast potatoes. And uh, Claire had recently come back from England, so she brought some cheese back. So we had cauliflower cheese and, you know, all, all the trimmings. It, was, uh, it wasn't a small feast. It was a great feast uh, and a real celebration of Easter. And wonderful to share in the conversation with people who were involved in uh, mission activities in Kampala from a number of different places. That was a memorable meal, and uh, a very nice meal as well. They're very good cooks. But I could tell you of many others. Sitting down for a meal together is a good thing to do. Let's just reflect on sitting down for a meal together. It's always a good thing to do. There is the nourishment from the food. Makes a difference, doesn't it, if you're getting hungry during the day and then you sit down and enjoy a good meal. There's nourishment to our bodies from the food. There's the conversation and the sharing together, which is as much a part of a mealtime experience. And it's always great to talk and to catch up. Uh, just occasionally, if at home we have a hurried meal, it just doesn't feel quite the same as we, when you can sit down and talk more substantially. It builds a greater sense of belonging and of unity. Meals are a great builder of that kind of companionship. And it's part of the meaning of hospitality. And hospitality is very important in many cultures. It's very important in the Christian life. Sitting down for a meal together is a good thing to do. And the first took communion took place as part of a meal. It was, of course, the Jewish Passover, which was another quite elaborate event. 
And it was during the meal that Jesus took the bread and the wine and brought a whole new meaning to that particular meal. And then the early Christians often shared meals together. And as far as we can tell, as we read the ancient texts, both uh, from the Bible and from anything else that we have uh, that records anything of the early Christian communities, it seems as if quite often meals would take place in homes and that after people have shared the meal, then they would share the bread and the wine in a very natural and informal way. And then gradually the pattern for communion became more formalized. It came into Sunday worship. It hasn't always been like that, doesn't have to be like that. But that's obviously what many of us would be familiar with. And even though we only take a small amount of bread, drink a small amount of wine, or uh, in this particular case, grape juice, it's a gathering together at a table to share a meal. And just like any other meal, it has these benefits. It's a good thing to do. There is nourishment that comes out of it. It is a true coming together, a great awareness of belonging and part of the meaning of Christian hospitality. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 21 in our reading actually refers not to one meal table, but to two meal tables. The Lord's table and the table of demons. What's that all about, you might ask? Well, let's see if we can unpack them a little bit for a moment. The table of the Lord is the familiar part for many of us. At the table of the Lord, Jesus is the host. It is described as the Lord's table. Elsewhere, it's described as the Lord's supper. It means that there is immediately something special about this event. It's not what you might have dreamed up, what I might have dreamed up. It is not the menu that we've decided. It's what Jesus has decided. He is the host. And whatever the context in which we share communion, whether it's part of a service, whether it's part of a home group, whether it's part of any other kind of Christian gathering, when this moment comes, it's the Lord who invites us to share at his table. Jesus is the host. There's something about breaking in this meal. We break the bread. And these words that were in our reading is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. There's something here about the body of Christ broken for us. A real loaf helps the symbolism here because that breaking of bread is a reenacting of the moment when the body of Jesus was broken for me and broken for you. And there's something powerful about breaking the bread. But these words talk about the breaking of bread and about the sharing of the bread. There's something about people coming together in unity. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body because we partake of one loaf. There's something about a diverse group of people coming together in this moment. The sharing of food strengthens the togetherness of God's people. You're not here in isolation tonight, but in community. And even when we might take communion to someone at home or in hospital, there is the sense in which in that moment they link together with all God's people in taking that meal that Jesus has provided. 
And then there is the eating, the breaking, the sharing, and the eating. There's something about spiritual nourishment here. There is within communion the element of feasting on Christ. This, of course, is something that the, Christ, the Corinthian church got in a bit of a muddle with. And in the next chapter, uh, before the words that we so often read at communion, there's a little bit of a warning because uh, they were tending to come to the communion table hungry and then those who were very hungry would have lots of food and so on and leave others without anything. And uh, they were rebuked for that kind of behavior. Eat a meal first. Whether it's together or in a different place, it doesn't matter. But when you come to share in the bread and the wine of communion, allow that physical eating and drinking to be a doorway of spiritual nourishment. Food for your souls. Allow that to be a moment when God speaks into your inner being. And then there's something about participating. Probably the strongest of all these words. And perhaps the one that we don't think about so much. We think about breaking the bread, sharing the bread, eating the bread, the same with the cup. But what Paul is saying here to the Corinthian church is in these questions, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? That is strong language. That is language that says we are truly connecting with Jesus in these moments. We're truly connect, connecting with the one who was crucified for us, the one who rose again for us, the one who is alive today, who one day who is coming in power and glory, who reigns forever and ever. We're participating in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his victory. Jesus is not distant. He is the host of the table. And we meet with him and participate in his life, just as through his spirit, he participates in our lives. There's a deep participation. And the challenge of the table of the Lord is that when all these things are going on as we take bread and wine, we need to be totally committed to Jesus. We need to have him as the supreme focus. Here we share in his broken body. Here we drink of the blood that was poured out for us. Here we join as a community of believers, participate in the life of Christ to strengthen and nourish our inner being, that we might live for him, we might live out the call of God upon our lives with a competence, with a strength and power that comes through his spirit and with the companionship of each other along the journey. Jesus is the central feature of the table of the Lord. And we need to be committed to him. That's the table of the Lord. Set alongside that in these words, there is a reference to the table of demons. What's that all about? Well, in the time of the church at Corinth, there was a lot of idolatry in the city. Other gods were worshipped. And especially, food was offered to idols. 
And this was a very pressing issue because then the question was, should that food which has been offered to idols then be eaten? And eating the food that was offered to idols is a bit like participating in the rituals associated with that idolatry. And though the Apostle Paul would say to the church of Corinth that actually there is no meaning in the idolatry, that those idols are of no substance. Nevertheless, for those who are participating in that idolatry, to them it is hugely significant. And through that action, the Apostle Paul is suggesting the idolatry is engaging and connecting with the powers of evil. That when food was offered to pagan deities, and there would often be acts of immorality going on as well, that there was a connection with the evil world and with the demons of this world. And the Christian community were tempted to be drawn into this kind of thing. And the Apostle Paul was saying that to associate with idolatry in any way was like sitting at the wrong table, participating in the wrong meal, totally contrary to God's purposes. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. That's in our passage. In a way, it links to uh, the words of Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And that kind of behavior amounted to sitting at the table of demons. For it is the evil powers of darkness which are behind the idols of foreign nations. So I wonder, what is the table of demons for us today? How do we take that thought and bring it into our own world and generation and context? I think it could be different for each of us here tonight. But I think also that it does have some common strands and some challenging strands. Because it seems to me as we apply these words that the table of demons represents any action or attitude which does not put Jesus Christ in the central place. Because if the table of the Lord is the place where Jesus is host, where he is central, where he is supreme, the table of demons is where that is not the case. And there are times when we can be swept into a way of thinking and a way of living which is more closely associated with the table of demons. What are the kind of challenges, what are the kind of things that might draw us in that direction? Let me suggest a few. Materialism would be one. So wrapped up with the things of this world that we lose sight of Jesus himself. And are over-absorbing in the materialism of our society can become like sitting around the table of demons. 
Clearly, there are many times when much of our life does engage with the material things of this world. And that is how it is. But in our hearts, we can either sit at the table of the Lord and put him first, or we can find that we're not only involved in the material things of this life, but we're drawn into a materialistic worldview in which that becomes all-important. And there lies the danger. Atheism would be another. There are times when it is appropriate for us to healthily question. But if we come to that place where we're denying that God exists and denying that Jesus is Lord, we're putting ourselves in that place where we could be described as sitting around the table of demons. Individualism, where we cut ourselves off from everyone else and we are isolated as an individual who is not connected within the Christian community. Individualism, in a dangerous way, can take us towards the table of demons. Overactivism can take us in that direction as well where everything revolves around what you do rather than who you are in Jesus. But on the contrary, fatalism can also take us that way where you don't do anything because it's all been predestined for you. And so you just sit back and let the world take its own course. That's close to the table of demons. Legalism and take us in the direction of the table of demons where we lose sight of the grace of God and the supreme love of Jesus Christ to all those whom he has made and become those who legislate that it has to be one way or another built only on law without reference to grace. I'm only giving you suggestions as to how we can be drawn across to the wrong table and how our lives can miss the mark. And therefore the challenge for this evening is quite simply, which table are you sitting at tonight? The table of the Lord or the table of demons? You may not think you're in that place and we wouldn't necessarily use that kind of language as we were talking today, but as we apply this particular passage, this is the challenge that it presents. Are you sitting at the table of the Lord where Jesus is honoured and where all of your focus is upon him? Or are you drifting towards the table of demons? where there's an awful lot of other stuff going on that could amount to a modern application of idolatry. Here again this evening, the invitation of the Lord to join him at his table. And I'm going to read some words of a former pastor from the Springboro United Church of Christ in Ohio, quoted in the book, Given for You by Eleanor Crider, one of uh, 
what I consider to be the most uh, substantial and valuable books on the topic of communion. This is the welcome table of our Redeemer. And you are invited. Make no excuses saying you cannot attend. Simply come. For around this table you will find your family. Come not because you have to, but because you need to. Come not to prove you are saved, but to seek the courage to follow wherever Christ leads. Come not to speak, but to listen. Not to hear what it's, what's expected, but to be open to the ways the Spirit moves among you. So be joyful, not somber. For this is the feast of the reign of God, where the broken are molded into a beloved community, and where the celebration over evil's defeat has already become begun. So come to the Lord's table tonight. Don't drift across to the table of demons. Come to the place where Jesus wants to nourish you by his spirit as you truly put him first. And if we're really going to be in the right place as we meet around the Lord's table, then we need to enter into these songs that we're going to sing now. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I have and am and ever hope to be. This is what it means to be sitting around the Lord's table. All to Jesus, I surrender. I give him my all. So let's stand and sing these songs and then that'll take us very naturally into communion.